All right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I started this podcast because I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation, could be business, could be personal, that requires you to create change. I really believe that we all want to be heard, seen, and understood, but the people who get our attention and convince, persuade, or influence us are not just salespeople. I believe there are people throughout all walks of life that can do this. There are great humans that can do this, uh, that we're drawn to. I'm going to share their stories here so we can tap into what makes us human, practice our human skills, and ultimately we'll all become better at selling by being human. All right, so this is going to be our first episode with two people because I thought we need to bring both of their minds together because we we're going to talk a lot about emotional intelligence today. And uh, they both co-host a room on Clubhouse if you're on that platform about emotional, and they call it intelligence. So we'll talk about what that means. But first person, he is a brand manager of Victory Lap. He's a co-host extraordinaire, I'm going to call him. Co-hosts a thing called Thursday Night Sales, co-hosts. Uh, the Emotional Intelligence Room on Clubhouse. And I just love what he's passionate about, helping both companies and individuals find the right fit. And after all, that's what his company did for him. And um, I have proud to welcome none other than Blake Hudson to the podcast. Welcome, Blake. Thank you for having me, Alex. Pleasure to be here. Excited to chat with y'all. We chat all the time. So this should just be like a regular conversation for you. I'm excited. So this next dude, He's his fellow co-host in the clubhouse room, uh, Emotional Intelligence. This next dude, I love his title on LinkedIn. There's a game, an old video game called Pitfall. For those of you who are into video games as a kid, the hero has to battle their way through a dangerous jungle full of crocodiles and scorpions and pits, and with only their skills and a vine to swing over trouble. You know, our customer in that scenario is the hero, and the dangerous jungle is offshore electronics manufacturing and this guy's company is The Vine. He works for a company called Ccomp, where he's the VP of sales and marketing and um, just an all-around great human being. Please welcome none other than Terry Arbaugh to the podcast. Welcome, Terry. Thank you, Alex. I love love the intro. I feel like I got to bring my A-game now after that. So look forward to chatting with you guys. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. The reason why I wanted to bring you both on is just to dig into what this all is and how you've seen it applied, where has it been applied wrong? And I think there's so many things we, and and I say we as in people, don't really understand about connecting with other human beings on an emotional level and can really kind of understanding their own emotions and the emotions of others. And so first question for both of you, what is your definition of emotional intelligence to you both? And um how have you seen it applied throughout your personal and professional lives? And I'm going to start with Blake Hudson on this question. If I were to think about emotional intelligence, for me, it just comes down to self-awareness, introspection, being able to understand, regulate, and navigate your emotions, the good ones and the bad ones. I'm also a big fan too, and this wasn't necessarily the topic, but you know, social intelligence. So like, how do you apply all that? How does it manifest itself externally? I mean, as sellers, that's something that we're very mindful of too. But a lot of us, we get a little heavy on the social intelligence without doing our due diligence on ourselves first. Great answer. 
Terry, what do you think? I absolutely uh, agree. And I love that the application bit is where it's really important because you can be very introspective. You can understand yourself, but not really understand how other people perceive you. One of the conversations we were having yesterday on Clubhouse, like people say about salespeople, they can they can read others and they can read the room and understand what's going on externally. But there's also a lot of those same people that aren't really in touch with like who they are and, and able to manage their emotions. So like how Blake said it, it's being able to recognize and manage both the emotions that you're experiencing, the uh, emotions and probably how the person or people you're talking to are feeling and being able to navigate uh, in a productive way through, you know, through those waters. You know, I feel like, Blake, you said something because I've never really put heard it put in that term, you know, social uh, intelligence is that people sometimes think it's okay, re- you know, reading the room or reading people, but it's the how that I think it's so tough for people to kind of understand or grasp how it's applied. And um, yeah, maybe if you could explain it, because I know you're really interested in, in this is like, what have you seen people do that are really good at it? And maybe Terry, you can, you know, kind of chime in here as well. Like I want to, you know, help people kind of understand, we'll talk about this. And I want to talk about the both of you. Where did you learn it? Who did you learn it from? Because I, I imagine people your family, your friends, those th- certain things, you started to see certain things in the world. So Blake, what, what can you think of, of how the social intelligence, what that really looked like and what you, what you really think about when you're thinking about that, applying? Well, again, I, I mentioned before, like a lot of people, they over-index on the social intelligence. So they get fixated on, you know, what am I saying? How are people perceiving me? Um, without actually doing anything about it. They're just aware of those basic concepts without really understanding the nuances of how to be effective in them. So in my mind, like social intelligence is being able to communicate in a clear, concise, compelling way. And all three of those words are very important. So a lot of people, they might sound and I have, have said something that really is, is cool, but it's not clear. So it's convoluted or it's not concise. They go on for so long, you kind of forget what the point is. Or it's not compelling. It's just a bunch of words. And to be able to have all three is a really important skill in terms of social intelligence. But that combination of both, for me, I I think it comes down to understanding who you are, so identity, what you do, practice, and why you do it, purpose. And when you understand those three things, and then you can interact with other people and basically draw that out of them, that is like the highest point of emotional and social intelligence. When you can talk about those three very huge fundamental questions that we face in life. And so it's very hard to effectively have that conversation if you're not at least attuned to how you view those questions, how you are interacting with them on a daily basis. So that's like that that intersection between the two, in my opinion. Yeah, love it. That's a great answer. Yeah. Really, yeah, it's a it's a really it's a really great answer. I really like what you said, Blake. And I think if you're talking about the application, Alex, you know, asking the question or what have you seen or what kind of situations, you know, where it comes up. You know, I've always been I didn't know this about myself. I couldn't put words to it or anything for much of my life. So right as you get older, you get more mature, you go through more things, you kind of become more more in tune with who you are and what matters to you. 
and how you introduced this podcast, everybody wants to be seen, heard, and understood. That describes me extremely well. And I think I've been called disarming a lot of times by people. Like I, I can connect with people quickly. And I think it's because I want to see and hear and understand them, right? That's kind of what I, what I lead with, right? Like I want to know where you're coming from. And so I can build fairly quickly good relationships, good rapport with people. And because there's a genuine, kind of that genuine agreement between two people of wanting to be seen, heard, and understood and not kind of forcing forcing anything on somebody. And there's other people that I don't do great with, <laughs> right? That if they don't value that same thing, sometimes it's tough. It puts yourself in a position to be either taken advantage of or to give more than you get, which is also okay at times. But, you know, certainly it's a, it can be a challenge, right? I'm, so. I just want to jump on that point you made, Terry, about being disarming. And I just want to attest a yes, and you are very much that. When I leave <laughs> yeah. conversations with you, it's it's weird. Like I feel like a clear sense of who I am. And that is because you are willing to be vulnerable. You create a safe mm-hmm. space for me to be vulnerable. And you're willing to touch a nerve or, or go deeper on a pain point on your own life. And then that makes it comfortable for me to do the same. And so it's like that that give and take, again, going back to those questions of who you are, what you do, and why. But it takes two people to make that work in a more effective way. Right. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. But yeah, that's that's exactly right. So when if you're not getting that, and I kind of said I'd leave with that. And Blake, I think I mentioned this on one of the clubhouse discussions, and I think you made fun of me. Whatever. Yeah, yeah of course. Of course. Yeah. That's <laughs> hey, and that's okay. Uh, my parents would make fun of me too when I was a kid. I got bit in the face by dogs like three times, three different times, like not massive, you know, not just like nipped at or whatever. Cause I just kind of lead with trust. Go, Oh, Hey, look at you. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I do that with people. I think it's, it's okay. I've learned a lot of lessons, you know, over time, but you just realize like, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay. Right. I might not do the same thing with that same person again. I've learned my lesson. I'm not, not yeah, going to keep banging, banging my head against the wall. In the face. Right. Which probably not right. right. I haven't been bit in the face in weeks. Every day is a new day, I guess. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You know, I think what you, you, you're both saying is, I, I agree. I, I love that. Like framework of being disarming because I feel like a lot of times we can we can misunderstand each other so easily in life. I try to like people. I I may totally. I'm going to use this analogy, right? You you see someone, and we've had it recently. We were talking about last night. You see somebody that just doesn't get it. You can't see why, and there's almost a danger in being too maybe too empathetic, really trying to understand like, why do they feel a certain way? I don't get them. You know, I really, really want to truly understand them when sometimes people will unfortunately just be not people that you can connect with and that should be okay. But if you lead with like, just being open to saying, Hey, like there's no one to fight here. Can we just agree not to disagree, but we can agree that we're all people that that matters, that despite any differences that we may have, that we're connected because we are. There are things that connect 7 billion people in this world, but we can't see it. 
you know? And I just wish there's no answer to this. Like, I wish, how can I just make someone see that, like, maybe it's not making them see, see the world through my lens, but just to see, okay, maybe let's get out of our, what we're talking about and that there is other things that we can agree about. Yeah. Other than maybe what we disagree about that are important. Yeah, I'll jump on that a little bit. And it's one of the questions you were asking us at the beginning, um, or maybe setting up, you know, how do you, how have you kind of become who you are in a sense? I'm mixed race and black and white. I've gone through, you know, a, a lot of different, I guess, feelings and thoughts based on that. Different family reunions, like the white family reunion side and the black family reunion side, were very, very different, as you might imagine. So trying to fit in to those different environments. I traveled, I lived overseas, I lived in Japan for a couple of years. I met my wife, who's American. I met her in Japan. We were both teaching in English. Her mother's from Thailand. So we actually lived in Thailand for over a year and a half. And we've traveled around and been in all kinds of different parts of the world. And to your point, Alex, one of the things that I would always notice and think about is how similar people are. You know, you always hear growing up, everybody's so different, everybody's so different, right? And we're this and they're that. And you have so much separation. And as you, just kind of navigate through the world, navigate through all these different places, you realize most people are driven by the same, the same things. I'd be sitting with my now wife's uncles and aunts or grandmother who don't speak a word of English. I didn't speak any Thai, but they knew that I loved her and that she loved me and I was taking care of her. And so we could just sit there next to each other and they would just have like a look and be like, yes, right? Like we're connecting, even though we're not talking. It's like, look, we're taking care of our family. There's love here, providing for. That's what people are. They want to take care of their families. They want to build relationships, take care of their careers. And you just see that over and over and over that, man, we're all, we're all similar. There's different colors. There's different languages. There's different you know, scenarios, different climates, whatever you want to say. There's flavors. But for the most part, most people are really, really similar. And if you can dig into that, just like you said, like we're all connected. That's not hard that for me, at least, it's not hard to accept as the starting premise of any relationship that anybody you connect with is we're mostly the same. Let's lead with that and figure out just what different flavors we have. And that's just cool to me. I loved what you said. I want to ask you a question, Blake, because where he's going is like, it seems easy for him because, you know, that's who he is. Like, I, I get that from him. Like, is there's a big debate on this. Is it something that just is you're born with it's innate or can it be learned and because i look at people's history like growing up like somebody could grow up just like terry did you know in mixed race household maybe be upset or get you know when he's with one family one family is upset that he's not white enough and the others he's not black enough and, and maybe he just confused and there's a lot of emotions there's maybe people right now that are growing in his exact same way that are just going through life in a different way and and you told a great story and I want to have you tell it, but I mean, you said you, you don't get anywhere in life without help of others. And, um, in growing up, Blake, maybe you can tell it, but why do you think people don't grow up in maybe, uh, that are in struggle that are, how can you, I guess what I'm trying to say is not be grow up in it with, with it overcoming you or being negative or just trying to find some positivity and maybe a, a situation that on the surface doesn't give that to you. Just so I'm clear, it's how do you navigate a difficult circumstance and yeah, come out of the sure, side of it? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think finding a higher higher purpose because it's very easy to get lost in the fray of a difficult situation. And one of the things that is emotional intelligence and it's very hard for people to do, and not always because they don't know how, just truly sometimes it is difficult to untether yourself emotionally. And that is take a step back and widen your perspective on the situation. So without getting into too much detail, but I you know, grew up in a difficult neighborhood, some challenges financially, socioeconomically. And it would have been very easy to focus on a lot of the difficulties in my upbringing. And I mean, trust me, at times like I, I wanted to fall into that trap, but that doesn't solve anything. It just, it's not soothe. It doesn't soothe you. It just kind of like numbs you, just kind of waiting in that, that pain and waiting in the, the weight of those negative situations. But then if you're able to take a step back and see beyond, see above, or just have a different perspective on the situation as a whole, you can then start to interact with that situation in a different way. You start to see things in a different light. You start to see people in a different light. So for me growing up, it was instead of maybe succumbing to certain pressures and dare I say contributing to some of the problems just for the purpose of maybe fitting in through a variety of reasons, not the least of which my parents kind of helping me hone that identity. I was able to just acknowledge that I would stand out. I'd be different. And when you're in the fourth, fifth grade, that's not as cool as it sounds on this podcast. Like, <laughs> different is not what you want to be in elementary right. school. I recognized like I had a ability to, to help. I didn't know what the hell that meant at the time. I didn't know the way in which I would help, but I just understood that like I could, I could help make situations better. And so I desired to do that. But again, it all came as a result of just having perspective on my situation. And so for me, like one of the things that I'm, is really important to me is helping people like develop the tools to do that a little bit more easily. If nothing else, just giving them the language giving them the the context to understand that that is a thing and it has a big impact on your life. Yeah. Wow. I want to kind of take what you both said and, and kind of like how you've been able to see the world through a different perspective than you first thought going in. Terry, what you said just about just bringing all of your interactions back down to like a simple human emotion, love, and we can find common ground over that to how you kind of use those skills in your sales careers. Because there's people listening to this podcast, they're not in sales, they don't have a quota, they don't have to like, you know, make a number. They're just like, I don't know if I'm in sales. Like it's such a catch-all term, you know, and they don't realize that they're doing it. But, you know, I, I really believe that I'm trying to kind of make the statement that you do have human skills inside of you that you can unlock to to draw people into you if you're willing to use them in the right way and and to yeah. see it. So, yeah, maybe if you could both kind of say like, what are the those human skills that you know you've you know used in your career and maybe how? I didn't want to be in sales growing up. My father was in sales. Grew up, he was in the car business when I was a kid. And I thought, and rightfully so, I worked on the car. I, I would work on the car lots every summer, ever since I was little. 
And so I'd be around these used car salesmen wearing polyester pants and wide ties back in the day and smoking and, you know, like used car salespeople have a reputation for a reason, right? And it's, it's earned and I didn't want anything to do with it. And Blake, you've addressed this once or twice, even including yesterday on Clubhouse, like the stereotypical thought of what people think about salespeople is what I thought about salespeople. And there's a reason, and I didn't want to do it until like you realize much later, you go, wait a minute, I don't have to lie to be in sales. I don't have to be shady. I don't have to be manipulative. I don't have to be pushy. And you realize like, you go, wait a minute, this is actually helping people it's solving problems it's knowing a product you know like you realize like there's a lot of really really positive things if you choose to do them in the right way and then suddenly sales became like oh wait not only can i do this i can be really good at it right because i can listen to people i can make people feel heard i can understand their problems i can help solve them and i can be creative and i can if you, if you believe in what you're doing and how you're helping people, then being persuasive is easy. If you don't believe in it and you're doing it just to earn a buck or you're trying to take advantage of somebody, then trying to convince yourself to then try to be persuasive. I can't do that. I can't operate that way. So yeah, I never wanted to be in sales until I kind of understood and had a completely different mindset about what sales actually is. And we've talked about that a few times. And Blake, I think you've spoken about this really well. Yeah, I want to be brief about this so we can kind of get on with the conversation, but there are four things that come to mind and then three of them are related. So what are the human skills that one can apply to sales or take from sales and apply to life? Empathy, sympathy, and compassion. And a lot of times people use those three interchangeably without understanding the nuances between them. Maybe you're a psychologist out there, so feel free to fact check me. But as I understand, (laughs) empathy is I'm sharing in that pain. Man, I feel with you like, you got bit in the face by a dog, like, you know, <laughs> over and over. Hamster once upon a time. You know? <laughs> the sympathy is I feel for you. So maybe I can't quite identify with the pain that you have, but like, I can at least say, damn, that sucks. And here's a card. I didn't write anything in it, but I put some money in there. So good luck. And compassion, compassion is then actually taking action. So you see someone suffering you do something to alleviate that pain. As sellers, we go through all three of those things. You know what? I talk to a lot of companies and a lot of people at companies and I I hear that a lot. I feel you. And it is difficult. It's difficult because it takes time away from X, Y, or Z and it, it stalls your growth. So here's what I'm thinking. You know, have you considered doing this thing, our solution, right? And do you think that it could be beneficial for you? Empathy, sympathy, compassion. Now they could say no. They can say you're full of it. They can say a lot of different things. All I know is I'm in control of my empathy, my sympathy, my compassion. Even more practical note, and this is what I'm really big on, is questions. Questions are the building blocks of conversation. Cannot have a great conversation without great questions. And a book recommendation, because I know people love those. The Book of Beautiful Questions by Warren Berger. If you want to study questions, that's a good start. But essentially, just helping people understand to be intentional and to understand the value of questions. So, for instance, you could find the wisest person on the planet. 
But if all you can muster up to ask them is what color is the grass, all you can get is green. So think about your questions. If you're in a sales capacity, don't think about them in terms of, I just want to get this information. Think about it in terms of how can this push the conversation forward? How can this create a more compelling interaction? And the reason why that is important is because ultimately sales is a transaction. Now that word seems cold and impersonal, but that's what every exchange is between humans, if not a transaction, right? It is an interaction, it is an exchange of experiences, an exchange of opinions, an exchange of emotions. And there's a right and a wrong way to do it. There's a human and there is a very impersonal way to do that. So in terms of practical skills, having empathy, having sympathy, having compassion, and honestly, your tool, your resource to express those three things are questions. Great questions. Like what you said, I mean, yeah, I agree. I, I think of that word and people just think like, okay, I just want something from them. Like a transaction has to be just a, you think of an ATM, you put something in, you get something out, but you can transact, well, emotions and the transaction can be, you don't get anything back, but you're just putting it to that transaction, right? Where you're just Seeing what's in your bank account in the transaction. Like what's... I put a dollar in and I don't get that Snickers bar and I got to go <laughs> like my desk, my dollar back. Yeah. You got to shake gotta... that machine. Yeah. yeah. Or you put the credit card in because <laughs> there's, there's no money in the bank account. You know, you put... <laughs> that's happened to me. Yeah. You know, that's next Maybe you're still getting charged for that transaction. That's yeah. Right. Oh, okay. That's a, 30, that's a, that's a $34 Snickers <laughs> bar now. That overdraft transaction. <laughs> right. um, I'm glad you said those things because salespeople don't like to say sympathy. You know, you you tell a salesperson to employ sympathy. You're like, nah, you're like, I don't got to feel sorry for anybody. Like you either want my stuff or not. Like, you're either going to feel sorry for somebody or you're going to feel sorry for yourself when you don't hit right. quote. That's just, yeah. What do I know? You know? Yeah. And it is the transactional piece. It's, it's, it's true. Like I said, I, I you can think of it as cold or not, but it is the, it is ultimately the truth, especially like when I walk in or if I'm on a, on a Zoom with somebody with a prospect or a customer, like my title is VP of sales and marketing. Like they're expecting me to sell something. Let's not act like we both don't know what the purpose of this is, but it's how do you do that? How do you treat that person? How do you make them feel throughout that process? But it is a transaction ultimately. Now, depending on the type of sales enterprise versus smaller transactional stuff, then there is a relationship building piece that goes along with that. But yeah, I think transactional ultimately Blake, shouldn't be thought of as a bad word, just like sales shouldn't be thought of as a bad word. I'm going to ask you guys a question just in terms of advice. What would you leave people with and in terms of like what you want them to remember and know about emotional intelligence? Anything that you would leave people with? Well, you go first, Terry. Yeah, we'll say that and then answer one of your, I don't know, uh, I can't remember if it was the previous question or not, maybe something we talked about, but the, oh, whether it's you're born with it or can learn it, I believe you can learn, you know, you can learn this stuff. It's just a matter of if you, if you have enough self-awareness to realize where you're coming from and actually have a genuine care to improve, you know, I think a lot of that's, mm. you know, my, mindset, mindset or focus of, if, if I feel sorry for myself because I didn't close a sale or like Blake just said, if you feel sorry for the other person and saying feel sorry for is more sympathy, either you have sympathy for them and you understand them and you help them solve their problems 
if you can't get past your own self and how you feel and if you're nervous about what you're saying or how you're showing up or if your breast smells or whatever, like if you're only focused about what you're doing, then you're missing, you know, you're missing that point. And I would say the emotional intelligence piece for me that I had to learn was way more internal. Like I said, I think I always had the skill of being able to understand what was going on around me with other people. And if everything was smooth, I was really good where I had to grow a lot and become much more mature and emotionally intelligent was if things weren't going well, I didn't control myself very well, whether it's either being competitive and getting upset, which wasn't my default, more of my default would be in a tough situation would be to shut down and back away. Neither are healthy, neither are productive, right? So I would just say, I think it is a learned skill and I would just encourage people to really do some introspection, think about yourself, learn about yourself, get some coaching, do some therapy, whatever it's going to take to understand who you are, because that's, that's how it all starts to me. All right. So, uh, Terry, I really did like your perspective there when you're, you're kind of telling people, look, you know, think about when you're dealing with others that that emotional intelligence, like the answer you gave, you're really thinking about the other person always get outside of me yourself this could go so many different places but for sales specific to blake i'm for myself i'm always thinking of those moments when someone just said to me you know i'm in some motion with them and they're like huh like thank you for asking that question or thank you for going a little deeper i got an email yesterday and i i haven't this is the first time I'm even saying it, but I, I don't want to really reveal too much. But I had a client just say to me, Alex, you know, thanks for asking about my, my, I knew she had a family member in the, uh, in the hospital. Thank you, Alex, for, for saying it. it's actually my mom. And then went into the story about how she's her rock and everything. And she's been seeing her every day in the hospice and they, they share so much time together. I just feel like people were, were scared sometimes to have these conversations in sales. It's, it's you know, we got to kind of separate the, the transaction that we're doing from the, the, the person. And I've had people on the podcast say it's, you know, people buy from people and, you know, human beings are always be human. And, and I always felt like that's a weird tagline to say, because I'm like, when did we stop? <laughs> when was the marker in time yeah. that sales stopped uh, becoming human? There isn't. It's always been that way. But it's like you said, Terry, before with your dad, and it was I mean, hustling. It was a stigma. It's a stereotype of what it is. And so, you know, I'm just curious, because I feel every single person, you two, the way you interact, there's no one answer. It's applied differently. It's applied differently because of our experiences, you know, our, our why, our interactions with others. So yeah, I'm just curious, Blake, when you think of emotional intelligence as how it's played out, what things would you want to leave people with in terms of your hope of kind of what they bring back? What do they do now to actually put it into practice for themselves and maybe find their own voice themselves in it? Because that's what I think is, is most important. So I think in answering this question, I want to try and paint a picture and make it a little bit more real. So imagine you are on a stage and you've got a hundred people in the audience and you're up there and you're, you're sharing this message. You know, it comes from the heart. It's, it's you, it's real, it's raw, it's vulnerable. And 99 people, they're head bobbing. Like they, 
they feel it. They're they're rocking with you. And then there's like one person in the corner. It's kind of giving you side eye, you know, breathing out of their breath, giving you one of those, you know, that noise people make when they're salty. What's going on? And that's all happening in the back of your head. And so you're still trying to do your thing and give these people your message. And at a certain point, you just stop and you go to the 99. Like, hey, guys, you know what? I can't do this. I got to go sit down. They're like, what? Is the show over? And they're like, no, you know, here's that person in the back. I just don't think they like me. So I'm going to go sit down. We allow other people to shape us. We allow other people to do our thinking for us. And ultimately, we allow the power of unspoken words to hold us back. And so the reason why those three questions I posed at the beginning are so important to me and why I try and answer them on the daily and help other people get clarity in answering them is because if you don't answer them for yourself, the world will answer them for you. And that stage, that 99-1 metaphor, that's life. Life is your stage. And every day you're putting yourself out there, whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not. And oftentimes 99 people are rocking with you. You know, people don't hate you. They're not out to get you. Like you got more fans and haters, almost always. But we focus on those few who really aren't even saying anything. And if they are, it's just because they're not rocking and living their life. And they, they shape us. So I would challenge people, I guess, in taking Terry's answer, I just hopefully told a better story with it. But, you know, it's like, get clear. It's not a competition. Get clear. It is on this podcast. This podcast, <laughs> this podcast is all about winning. <laughs> this whole episode. No, but it, like, you know, if you can take the time to get introspective, to ask yourself why and why and why again, and get to that deeper answer, like you will then go through life with a confidence and a clarity of who you are. And you won't let other people tell you who you are because you know, you'll have a clarity about what you do. And you don't have to wait for someone to give you permission to be great because you know what you do. And finally, you can get clear about who you are, what you do and why you do it. You're not waiting for someone else to give you some purpose that maybe is true for their life, but not for you. So. Two things. Don't let other people shape you and don't let the power of unspoken words hold you back. One, one little wrinkle. Only because... You want to win. Got it. It's a competition. You just made it one. <laughs> so I feel like I can just slightly improve what you said. Oh, oh no. An emotional <laughs> intelligence competition. Uh, yeah. like no, the, the, the point... You, it's a beautiful story. and The message behind what you just said is great. Don't let other people shape you the one level deeper than that on the emotional intelligence side is uh, oftentimes we teach people how to treat us with the language we use about ourselves, the way that we, you know, like there's self-deprecating humor, but there's also just like self-deprecation. That's a little bit more sad, a little bit more negative. So you do that enough where you haven't developed that confidence or self-worth the way that you react to other people, the way you react to perceived slights. There's a lot of things and language you might use that teach other people how to treat you because that's what you think about yourself. And then that does shape you. That actually reinforces what lies you might already be telling about yourself as well. So I think Blake, you made a, you made a great point and that just popped up for me because I think it's a, you know, it, it ties into this emotional intelligence 
topic on the stories that you tell yourself and how that resonates out into the world and what echoes back. I'm glad you added that, Terry. And I'm pretty sure that was the topic of our first episode of Emotional Intelligence. It was. Clubhouse. Go back and, and rewatch or re-listen. But no, man, you're absolutely right. Like we teach people how to treat us. Someone on the podcast, one of my guests a few episodes ago, uh, and I, I just, I could repeat this quote on and on and on again. And it was from Amy Blatchka and it's, you are something special to a specific few. Not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone needs to. It's okay. You may think that everyone should believe what you believe in the world and, and you're working so hard for them to believe what you believe. But those 99 people, Blake, are riding with you. They believe you. That's more than enough. I've heard it put as like, you only need your 10,000 fans or a thousand true fans. You don't need the hundreds of millions of fans. People that like Drake, like Drake. People that don't, don't, and they like something else. But Drake's made being just fine on himself. He's, he's made a fine living and, and so on and so forth. There's so many spe- like musicians that cater to a specific few and they're everything. They're special to them. And, yeah. you know, maybe even that person that you need to be special to is, or, you know, you need to please is, is no one other than the person you're looking at in the mirror. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you're, you're thinking right now, you don't need hundreds of millions of fans, but tens of millions. <laughs> right. There it is. You'll, yeah. You'll, you'll get there. You'll get 600 million, 700 million, give or take another 300 million. Yeah. 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 Tens of millions is easy. That's a layout for you. For now, we're just trying to get six people to our clubhouse each week. So <laughs> that's another podcast. Another. Well, yeah. I can say I was there when you at least got two, Blake. I don't know if that means anything, but you got two fans. It means a lot. Before, <laughs> before we go, fellas, I feel like in sales, like, uh, again, I'm, I'm really passionate about, like, we are so individual as human beings. And I feel like we connect on a level if we know, you know, something individual about somebody that only they have or can do. And so it's a fun question that I ask all my guests. And this is something for our audience to just know you and maybe learn something from. And it is uh, this question. If I asked you or even maybe even family members of you, what is one thing that could only and would only happen to Blake Hudson or Terry Arbaugh? What would it be? And another way to think of it is like, what is that thing that is, man, that is just so Blake. That is just so Terry. If I ask your wives, your girlfriends, what is that thing that you know, would only happen to the both of you. What can you think? And just no one else. That's just so you. Uh, Blake, you can go first on this one. How do I answer this if not sounding like the most arrogant then? person? <laughs> the, the man that preaches emotional intelligence is arrogant right. and selfish? That's a, no, I don't believe it. There's no right answer here. People, no, no, it's individual. I'm, I'm truly trying to put myself in the place of a friend or family member. So just apologies in advance. If I slip up and talk about myself in third person, <laughs> something else ridiculous. Something that would be only Blake is my family's waiting for me at an airport. I'm walking, you know, through the turn into the, the gate, whatever. And there's this, I don't know, this couple, this young couple, like late 20s, early 30s, and they're just in tears. And they're like, 
thanking me profusely. And my family is like, who, who are they? Do you know them? And I'm like, no, I just met them. Like, were you sitting next to them? No, we were just standing, like walking to the gate together. What happened? I just asked them some questions and then said what they said to me back to them, but like better. And then they felt better about themselves. You're so weird, Blake. Why are you always talking to me? Why can't you just wait in line like the rest of them? I don't know. I just got curious and here we are. So I'm going to go hang out with them probably next Thursday because, uh, you know, we're friends now. <laughs> so, so there you have it. That would be a Blake story. And I sound like total douchebag right now. No, now, you know, before you go, Terry, before you yeah. say what you're going to say. Now, there is something here. I, I got to pull on a thread because like I've had some funny people say things they they're clumsy. They're this and that. The last couple of people I've asked this question to Megan Bowen was another one. Shout out Megan, you know, Amy Blaschka, another, a couple others have said a similar story that like they just they're randomly meet someone next to them and talk to them for like hours. Like the person next to them on the airplane in myself, I like not like that. Not only be, be, I don't know if I've made people cry, but I'm tears like, of joy. I want to add tears, tears, tears of joy. They were crying people to get tell me some really personal things sometimes. And I'm like, whoa, okay. You felt like you could tell me that. That's awesome. And my, my wife's like, why are you talking, telling people that? Why are you talking? Why not? <laughs> and so there's something to this. I need to go further in here, but thank you for telling that. That's not selfish at all. That's being aware in the world. They're actually crying because they're just happy to get away from it. <laughs> it so could be. That could be. That's just the story I told my family, but actually. <laughs> All right. What do you got, Terry? Man. It's a stumper to people. Stumps people. Oh, it is. Well, I, I, I should have gone first on this one. Nobody's crying, but I, my family always just laughs because this is something my mom used to do. But anytime, like, we're together somewhere. I walk away for a couple of minutes and I come back and I'm talking to somebody or I made a friend, right? Like, you know, you go grab, you know, you go grab a, a refill of your drink or something, you know, go to the bathroom, like come out, you're talking to somebody. Like that's always, that's always the thing too. I, I was like, what? You just made a friend. Like we were just down on vacation, right? Just I'm con- in the elevator, you know, the elevator, like, who is that? I don't know. Just talking to somebody, but one other, I guess, you know, different thing would be, we just went to the Atlanta Hawks Golden State Warriors game uh, a couple weeks ago in Atlanta when we were down there for my daughter's volleyball tournament. And uh, of all the people that we were there with, you know, I ended up on the dance cam <laughs> at the at the arena. And that's just a that's just the thing they would say. Yeah, of course, of course, somehow you got on camera and we're doing something stupid. It's because right. Terry appeals to all demographics. He's like, That's right, like the perfect yeah. person race to appeal to everyone in the audience. I could be half anything, and they go, yeah, <laughs> ma- ma- mass appeal. <laughs> like, Everyone yeah. sees themselves in Terry. <laughs> right. That's right. So maybe that's it. But yeah. Can I just follow up? I don't need me to put you on the spot, but what's your go-to move? What what got you on uh, the jumbotron? You think? No, that was a just, sprinkler. Uh, no, full that. So we were, my daughter's 16, we're down there for her volleyball tournament. So there's four dads and four 16 year old girls. And the goal is not just to get on the dance cam, but it's to embarrass your teenager. Nice. So there was, there was a lot of fist pumping and, nice. and maybe, a, maybe a little overbite. Okay. Oh, yeah. Overbite. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
I need and to so, tell Terry when I get out on the dance floor. So on the camera, embarrass the daughter. So Mission totally successful. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally successful. All right, <laughs> gang, both of you amazing, great humans and also great uh, sales, emotionally intelligent, intelligence salespeople. Where can people connect with you, find you? What do you want people to do afterwards or in an emotionally intelligent way? Where, where can people go see you? <laughs> Airport terminal near you. When we can fly again. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Random jumbotrons around the country at sporting events. No, um, Clubhouse. We got to say Clubhouse. Yes. Yeah. Every Wednesday, we just moved it to 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. The Emotional Intelligence Club, where the intersection of EQ uh, and sales, right? How to be more successful in sales by applying and learning principles of emotional intelligence. So that's what I would say where to where to find us both. And then, of course, LinkedIn is always a good way to, to connect. Cool. Yeah. Guys, I can't thank you enough for this opportunity. I think this will be really beneficial for a lot of people. All the gratitude. <laughs> to both. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Alex. Really appreciate it. All right. And no, you, one got, no one got bit in the face. Yeah. No one got bit in the yeah. face. Blake, the Blake, day's not won. over yet. Yeah. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it to Blake. Blake, you won. It's competition. Hope you feel better. Thank you. But I'd have to give it back to you. <laughs> <laughs> now it's just getting obnoxious. <laughs> no. right. Thank you, Alex. Thank you both. Thank you so much. All right. See ya. Bye. Hey gang. All right. Wow. You made it to the end. I know your time is valuable, so thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly to tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right. See you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Human.